Amen. And let's just pray that God will speak to our hearts this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you, mighty God, for your goodness. We believe in you and trust in you. We know, Lord, that you're able to do all things. Speak to our hearts today through your word. God, we come before you, desperate need of you, O Lord, and for you to speak. You are great, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. There is none like unto thee, O Lord. We love you. We believe in you. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. amen. Grab your Bibles. Turn to Ephesians chapter number 4, starting in verse 14. Kind of continuation from last week when we talked about checking our blind spot. Amen. Ephesians, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5. And he says, wherefore, he saith, awake thou that sleepest. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, or 5, verse 14. 5, verse 14. Did I say 4? 5, 14. There we go. Awake thou that sleepest. Now, he's not actually telling you to awake from the sleep, right? We all understand this. Is that a metaphor or something? He's using this as an illustration. Wake out of sleep. So that's possibility, right, that we can go to sleep spiritually. It's talking about a spiritual application. Paul's trying to get to him and tell him to wake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Simply our death, arise from the dead, that's our sin. In other words, if I can just put it bluntly, stop sinning. Stop sinning. All right, you can go home. No, I'm joking. <clears throat> but it's about that easy. It's not complicated. But if we're not careful, there's this blind spot in our life where we just get used to it or we cope with it or we continually just struggle with it, whatever the case may be. But he's saying, wake up. Punch your neighbor. Well, don't punch him, but. Nudge him, tell him to wake up. <clears throat> I know you're standing. I'll, I'll let you sit in just a minute. Arise from the dead. Stop sinning. And Christ is going to give you light. When we turn to him, the light of the glorious gospel can shine into our life. And then we can walk circumspectly. In other words, as we should, not as fools, but wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming means to rescue from loss, amen, or improve the opportunity. That's what I'd like to speak to you this morning, improve the opportunity at hand, amen. You may be seated. Talked about redeeming last week a little bit, and in that discussion, we talked about how that we can redeem lost time by repenting, giving our lives to Christ, and uh, he can change everything. In other words, it's never too late. We can't go back and redo things. We all wish we could do that. But we can rescue from loss past time. Because God, in His mercy and His grace, gives us the opportunity to change our lives. To turn our lives around. So we need to improve the opportunity that comes our way. 
And I'm going to talk about three different things and how we can improve uh, the opportunity at hand. First of all, before we get into those, let's just determine this, that God's time is not our time. Amen? Reminds me about a conversation that a man had with God, and he said, God, he said, how long is a million years to you? And God said, well, a million years, that's just like one second to me. The guy said, wow. He said, God... How much is a million dollars to you? I knew the dollars would get your attention there. He said, well, a million dollars. He said, that's just like one penny. man said, wow. And he got to thinking. He said, God, could you spare a penny? And God said, yes. Wait a second. That's how it is. Amen. God's kind of slow, isn't he? (laughs) Like we're in the live in this world of fast pace. We live in this microwave mentality. I was in line yesterday at the drive-thru and I had to wait 20 minutes to get through there and I was just irate. What kind of fast food line is this if you got to wait 20 minutes to get through and We just have this mentality. But God's time is not our time. He's the slow cooker. He's the crock pot. Come into the house and that aroma's just filled the whole house. because It's been brewing all day, cooking all day. Amen. We just want to slap a TV tray into the microwave, zap, 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 eat, eat, eat. Run, run, run to the next thing. But God's time is not our time. God's not bound by time. Think about that. I mean, we had to, uh, we are, everything we do is wrapped around time. Amen? But God works outside of time. He doesn't, he's not bound by time. He can do whatever he wants to. He said, I'm the God that was and is and is to come. Amen? He takes things that are not and makes something out of them. God doesn't work on our same things that we work in, in our time frame. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it said, Beloved, be not ignorant. The ignorant means hidden. Almost like the same thing when he's saying, wake up. He's saying, don't be ignorant of this thing. Bring it to light one, this, of this one thing that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. James tells us in chapter 4, verse 14, whereas you know not, What shall be on the morrow, what shall be tomorrow, or what is your life? It is even a vapor. It appears for a little time, and then it vanisheth away. He says this in in the context, and he says, you know, don't say, you know, tomorrow I'm going to do this, and tomorrow I'm going to do that, and I'm going to go into this town, and I'm going to do this business and make this money. He said, "Eh, you better say, if the Lord will, if the Lord will. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. <clears throat> and our life is but a vapor. Just being, it's, it's quick. Amen? So don't put God on your time clock. Don't put him on our clock. Amen? So as we try to 
rescue this opportunity. We have this opportunity that comes our way. Amen. We need to realize that we, in improving on that, we need to trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. And I might say that this is probably the hardest thing for me to do <laughs> is to trust God's timing. Amen. We don't like to wait. We, don't, we, we think we have it all figured out, right? We know exactly what needs to be done. We come to the altar and we pray our prayer and we leave and it's not accomplished. And we're like, weren't you listening, Lord? I just, need, I just told you what you needed to do. I got to have this done by this time and time's getting closer. And so the hardest thing that we can do, I think, sometimes is to just trust God's timing. To put our life into his hand. Because I can guarantee you, he's always going to seem like he's late. At least it's that way for me. Maybe it's not way for you. He's slow. We have all kinds of examples. You think about Joseph, right? And how that he had this great dream. And then years later, it came, into pa it came to pass. Years later, he had this great dream that he was going to rise to the to the throne and he'd be this great leader and here he finds himself ended up in prison. God doesn't work on our timetable. Didn't mean that he'd forgotten Joseph. Just means that God had a different time table. Amen. I think about the example of Mordecai, Mordecai, however you pronounce it, and Esther. There's a story in the Old Testament about the book of Esther. If you don't know it, it's an interesting story. You can read it. I'm going to paraphrase it here. But the Jews were at the point where they were going to be annihilated. They were going to be done away with. Under a man by, that was a powerful man in the kingdom at that time. He wasn't a Jew. and His name was Haman. And Haman hated the Jews. And he wanted to annihilate them. He was the king's right hand man. Appointed by the king. But there's also in this story a man by the name of Mordecai. Mordecai was a good man. He was a Jew. He sat at the king's gate. and He was just a good man. He was there every morning and did the things that are done at the gate, I guess. I don't know. But he said he came to the king's gate. And he had a niece, Esther, of whom the book gets its title from, the book of Esther. And so Esther, the unlikely candidate to become queen. And she becomes queen of the kingdom. Beautiful woman. And so she became queen. And now Mordecai has his niece in the kingdom. Well, Haman, he's the second in command. And he doesn't like Mordecai. Because every morning when Haman walks into the gate of the king's palace, there's Haman. There's Mordecai. He's sitting there. And he doesn't bow down to Haman. Everybody else bows down to Haman. Not Mordecai. He doesn't bow down. So Haman gets furious. He gets upset. He goes to the king and he says, you know, king, there's a group of people in your kingdom. And they don't really benefit the kingdom any. As a matter of fact, they might be a detriment to the kingdom. And he said, I think we just need to kill them all. And the king says, do whatever you want to do. He gives him his ring. He trusts this man. Haman thinks he's doing the best thing for his kingdom. So they sent out, <clears throat> they sent out posts, letters, 
by the United States Post Office. Send it out to all the providence, or the United States providences, whatever. But it says they'd sent out letters by the post. Amen. And they took them into all the kingdom. Saying on such and such a date, we're going to kill all the Jews. Youngest to the oldest. We're going to kill them all. Well, Mordecai gets news of this. And so he goes to Queen Esther. And he says, listen. Our people are on the, uh, the brink of being annihilated. He says, you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to go in before the king. <clears throat> and Esther says, well, you can't go in before the king just unannounced, you, uninvited. You just can't do that. You just can't walk in there. She said, everybody in the kingdom knows that if you do that, you get your head chopped off. Or whatever the means was. But she says, it's not a good thing. He says, everybody knows that. And Mordecai says, well, you listen, you're going to have to do this because it doesn't matter. You're going to get your head chopped off anyway because you're a Jew. And they didn't know that in the kingdom. They kept it quiet that she was a Jew. The king didn't know that she was a Jew, but he loved her very much. But anyway, so Esther, and this is where we get this um, great saying that we all probably know where Mordecai says, who knows that you're in, brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. You're brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. It wasn't an easy thing for her, was it? <laughs> she had to risk her life. And he's saying this is the right thing. You're going to have to do the right thing. You got to go. He said this. He made this comment. He said, if you don't, deliverance is going to come by, by another way. The Jews are going to be delivered. Whether you do it or not. But if you don't, you're going to be destroyed. You and your household. And so she decides that she's going to do it. But that's a good point in our walk. If we don't do it, if we don't do God's will, somebody's going to do. If we don't fill the spot, somebody's going to do it. Amen? And as I look out and I think about this morning, we are all brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Right? We're all here for a purpose. You're not just here by chance. You're not just here, you know, just to take up time because you wanted just to, something to do on a Sunday morning. But we believe this is the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. And we're all here at this appointed time. We need to realize that God has a work for each and every one of us to do. And we need to realize that if we don't do it, God will find somebody to do it. He can pull somebody off a bar stool at the local bar and come in and do whatever needs to be done. We ought to be thankful for the opportunity, hallelujah, to work in the kingdom of God. And I know we are. But if you're not working for the kingdom of God, get busy. Amen. It's your time. This is the church's time. It's our appointed time. Hallelujah. So she decides she's going to do it. She says, I'll do it. And if I die, I'll die. Amen? And so she came to that place in her life where she was able to step out in faith, not knowing. And we all have to do that. Like I said, it wasn't an easy thing for her to accomplish because she had to die out to herself and to be willing to say, I'm going to risk it all. And in God's kingdom, that's a place that we'll all come to if we're serious about our walk with God. We're going to be put on the test, put on trial as to what we're going to do with what God wants us to do. We can either step out in faith and say if it 
works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If I die, I die. But I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Amen. For who knows whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. Hallelujah. But really, that's not even the point that I want to make on taking opportunity of time and trusting God's will, trusting God's timing. We go back to Mordecai. When Mordecai was at the king's gate one time, he heard about this plot. Two guys were going to kill the king, assassinate the king. So he tells Esther, hey, these guys are going to kill the king. So Esther goes before the king, says these guys are going to kill you. Inquiries made, the Bible says. They find out to be true. These guys are hung. They're killed. These two guys that tried to do the assassination, they're done away with. It's recorded in the book of the Chronicles, it says. But nothing really happens. It's just recorded in there that Mordecai foiled this plot against people that were going to try to kill him. Amen. And so here we find that Haman, he's still wanting to get rid of Mordecai and his people. So before Esther comes in, oh, there's another story taking place where Haman makes this gallows where he's going to hang Haman on. This is all taking place overnight. And he's going to kill him. The, the, the message already been out. We're going to kill the Jews. But Haman's going to hang Mordecai because he can't stand Mordecai. So here we have Mordecai. And he is just trying to do the best he can, right? And here this guy is out to kill him. He's got to know. doesn't really tell us that he knew for sure. But he's got to know. Everybody else knew that these gallows were being built to hang him on. And so Haman <clears throat> builds these gallows, and he goes, and the Esther now is going to go before the king, and she says, I want to invite the king, I want to invite you, king, and Haman to a dinner. So Haman, you know, he's, he's just this self-centered, obnoxious guy that nobody likes, all right? Use, abuses his power. So Haman goes home, tells his wife, all excited about, hey, I got invited to the dinner that only the king and I got invited to. And they said, that's great, you know, that's great. And you can hang Haman. He said, but one thing that doesn't make it worth anything is this Haman still standing there when I walk through. Nothing of that means that he was a big crybaby too. I just, Haman's there and he won't bow down to me. And I don't know what I'm going to do, you know. And she says, hang him. So he's getting ready to hang him. <clears throat> well, anyway, make a long story short, Esther comes in before the king, and he sees her, and he holds out her, his scepter, and that means she's accepted. She comes in, touches his scepter, and he says, what's your petition? And she says this, she says, my people are about to be destroyed, and I, I come to ask for our lives to be spared. And the king says, well, what, how did this happen? What what happened here? And she says, well, this evil uh, Haman, he's the one that's wanting to kill us. And so God, or the king takes Haman out, destroys him, kills him, amen, and hangs him on the gallows that Mordecai was supposed to be hung on. But here's the point. When the king went to bed that night, that he, was, he couldn't go to sleep. Divine intervention. 
and he calls for the chronicles to come and be read. <laughs> and so when they, they bring the chronicles to be read, amen, and just so happens they open to the place where it says that Mordecai spoiled this plot for him to be killed, right? He says, what's been done to this Mordecai for this great thing he's done for us? And they said, nothing. And the king says, well, this was before he hanged Haman. He, he said, bring Haman in here. And Haman stood before him. He said, what should we do to a guy that I want to give a lot of glory to? Well, Haman thought the king was talking about him. He said, get the king's robe, put it on him. Get the king's horse, put him on that. Ride him around the city and declare before him, this is what we do to God who, who uh, we want to give glory from the king. Amen? Haman's all excited. And so the king looks at uh, Haman and says, <clears throat> I want you to do that for Mordecai, Mordecai. Don't leave anything undone that you just said. Go down there and get him. So Mordecai has to go out and do this. Or, I mean, Haman has to go out and do this with Mordecai. Amen? Humiliating thing, for sure. But anyway, when Haman comes back, and they get him, bring him in, and that's where Esther says that he's trying to kill him, and that's where the king puts him on the gallows that were built for Mordecai. And the thing is that when we look at Mordecai's life, I mean, he was, he was, had to be sweating bullets, right? He was this close to being hung. But God had it all planned out. What's the odds that the king couldn't sleep that night? What's the odds that he would have somebody come and read to him? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Because that's what I do when I can't sleep. I read. Amen. And I usually just fall right to sleep. When I read, I fall asleep. I could see me waking up my wife and say, hey, read to me, will you? I can't go to sleep. It'd be nice, but I can imagine her response, one of which I won't share over the pulpit at the church. But he couldn't sleep. Imagine that. Imagine him not being able to sleep that night. Imagine them bringing in, just happened to bring in this book. They said he had a big library, you know wasn't just one book out there. It was a big library. They, they picked this book off the shelf. They opened up to this particular place. And I want you to know that God's timing is right on time. Amen. You may be in a position in your life where you're thinking, I don't know if God's got my zip code. Couldn't you, you, couldn't you imagine that? Couldn't you think Mordecai was saying that? You know, What's going on? You know, I did a good thing. I saved the king, and now I'm going to be hung on these gallows tomorrow. But we need to realize that God has everything in control. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I want you to know that God knows exactly where you're at. Just keep on doing the right things. And eventually, God's going to move. Hallelujah. He's never late. He usually comes at the last second, but he's never late. <laughs> God is never late. Hallelujah. And if you're going through something right now and you just feel like you can't feel God, you don't know where God, you just keep coming. Just keep praying. Seeking God. 
I want you to know that God's got it all under control. There's a purpose for it. Mordecai, after that, he was elevated into the place that Haman was, second in command. He was given the king's ring. He's the one that sat in power. He was the one that was able to help his whole nation after that because of what had happened. But it was all under God's timing. Mordecai could have said, uh, I think I'm going to try to get out of here. Things aren't looking too good. But he didn't do that. He just trusted God, trusted his timing. And we need to realize that if we are not weary, amen, in due season, we're going to reap if we faint not. The other thing I want to talk about <clears throat> is trying to capturing the opportunity at his hand is not just trusting God's timing, but <clears throat> don't pray your life away. Let me, under, let me just explain what I mean. I'm not saying don't pray, <clears throat> but don't pray your life away. Sometimes we pray, Lord, get me into tomorrow. Sometimes in our prayers, we're always wanting to get to the next level. When God's got you right here for a reason, it may be uncomfortable, you may not like it, but don't pray your life away. We pray all the time, Lord, change my circumstance, right? That's what we pray. That's, a, that's our human nature. Lord, I'm going through this. I need you to help me change this. Change this for me, Lord. Make, but we need to be praying, Lord, let my circumstances change me. Amen. Speak to me, Lord. What are you trying to say here? It's taking opportunity of the moments that we have, not always just wanting to pray our life away. Amen. We can learn from yesterday, you can plan for tomorrow, but the only day that you can live is today. Amen? We need to realize how important today is. Matthew 6, 27, which of you taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? Or in other words, and who of you by worrying can add one hour to the length of his life? Worrying doesn't change anything. Amen? It doesn't change tomorrow. Probably one of the greatest gifts I learned from my wife, who's been in church all of her life and several generations of Pentecost, but she doesn't worry about nothing. It can drive you crazy, <laughs> especially when you're a worrier. Amen? Because I like to worry. I guess it feels good to worry sometimes. And she'll just say, I'm going to bed. What? At a time like this? She says, it's not going to change anything if we stay up and talk about it all night long. I'm going to bed and get some rest. That's what it's talking about. You can't change anything by giving thought for it tomorrow. Amen. We sometimes want to complain and wallow around in our circumstances. Amen. But we can't change it. We just need to realize that God's trying to teach us something in the midst. And this is what he's trying to teach us. He tells us in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That's the answer to it. His righteousness, everything else is going to be added unto you. That's our battle, folks, is to put God first. Every day you get up, it's a new battle. 
I'm putting you first, Lord. You're the Lord of my life. Hallelujah. Today is the day that you've given me. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be exceeding glad in it. I am going to seek after you, O Lord, with all my heart. It's a decision. It's a choice that we make every day. Amen? Sometimes we take a vacation from God. We get up and, oh, there's a lot of stress going on. I think I'll take a break. <laughs> take a break from God. He's our source of strength. Amen. He wants to hide us in his pavilion. He wants to be the Lord of all. Amen. He wants us to know that we can trust him in all things. Hallelujah. Seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else will take care of itself. Take therefore no thought for the tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Amen. It's going to take care of it. It's going to happen anyway. Amen. So we need to realize, don't pray your life away. The times when you're going through it, the circumstances, they may feel a little bit uncomfortable to you. It's a time when you need to get on your knees and say, Lord, what's the lesson here? What's the message? I can remember going through a trial one time and it seemed like it lasted years. And uh, I was just so frustrated with God. And my wife said, God's going to move. And then I, I made this statement. I said, I don't know. And I really got convicted for saying that. I thank the Lord for it. Repented of it. But, you know, you just get to that place sometimes. You just think, where's he at? You know, where's God at? But God's always right there. Amen. God's wanting us to learn something. I said, Lord, I, and I was trying to pray and ask him, you know, what are you trying to teach me here? I was thinking, man, I must really be a slow learner because I'm not getting this. Seems like it just went on and on and on and on. Amen. But the Lord wants us to know that he has everything in control. The other thing that we need to realize when we are... <clears throat> trying to improve the opportunity that's at hand is that we don't get ahead of God. <clears throat> Trust God's timing. Don't pray your life away. Don't wish for another day. Live in the moment. Live in the day. Amen? And we need to, tr and we need to not to get ahead of God. The Bible's full of all kinds of examples of people that tried to work it out for God, to get ahead of God. To be way out there and say, hey, this is, we know what needs to be done. How about Abraham? Abraham took his wife's handmaiden, had a child with him, produced Ishmael, was not the chosen son. Isaac was the chosen son. But we read that and we realize and we think even we don't blame Abraham. Man, he was beyond the age of even being able to bear children, you know. There's an instance where you have to trust God's timing. He's never late. But because he got ahead of God, we have two nations, Ishmael and Isaac, and even yet today those two nations are fighting amongst themselves. Mess things all up, amen? By trying to do things our own way. Have you ever messed things up by trying to get ahead of God? <clears throat> I heard somebody say, uh, when we get to heaven, we'll probably be more thankful for the prayers God didn't answer than for the ones that he did answer. 
You ever look back and say, Lord, I'm glad you didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> but at the time, you just thought you knew what was best. It's learning to trust in God. Just put it into God's hands. Amen. Trust his timing. Amen. And don't get ahead of God. We can have this blind spot, if you will, of tradition. When you come into the light, the, re the revelation of the word of God, it puts a new light on the subject. Tradition doctrinally we have when we have to back up, slow down, and reconsider, if you will, our belief and the doctrine. But we also have this tradition of <clears throat> it's always been this way. I know how it's going to end up. It always happens this way. We say things like that, right? It's par for the course. But no, we need to redeem the time. To rescue the opportunity from loss. And in order to do that, we have to think differently. Don't think it's going to turn out the same way it's always turned out. Don't get stuck in that traditional thing of this is how it's always worked. This is how it always happens. It can be different. I said it can be different. Every day with the Lord is a new opportunity that God wants to open up to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. It's going to be different this time. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be different this time. That's a great thing about God. Every day is a new day. He can make a difference. He can come into the situation and change it. I remember Brother Oggs, a great preacher that's passed on now, but he preached a message here. And he says, what a difference a day can make. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I want you to know today can be your day. God speaks to you. God moves on your behalf. God saves you. God heals you. It's today, hallelujah, that God is moving in and working in. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things, old traditions, old ways, hallelujah, they're passed away. And behold, all things are become new, hallelujah. Can we change our thinking this morning to think, God, I'm really going through it, but I know there's a reason. I'm really going through it right now, but it, uh, help me to find the purpose and the reason that you have for me to learn. What miracle are you trying to perform in the midst of this chaos? Sometimes we miss the miraculous because of the obvious. We're looking at the things that are right in front of us, and God wants to do a miracle in our lives. We need to be able to get past all the junk, all the circumstances, and trust in our God, hallelujah, that has all things under the... His control and in His power, and to realize that our God can do anything. Hallelujah. We're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Verse 18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses upon them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. It means, reconciliation means to exchange, a restoration, 
and divine favor. I want to tell somebody here this morning, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care the circumstance. If you're in the church of the living God, you have divine favor. God's not left you. Hallelujah. God's not forgotten you. Hallelujah. God's still right there. He's wanting to do a work in our life. He wants to exchange our old habits, our old ways of thinking, and give us some new ways of thinking that says, I'm going to make it. Hallelujah. I don't care what I'm going through. God's going to shine. Hallelujah. Lord, it's not about me, but it's about you, about allowing the kingdom of God to shine forth, to show forth. Hallelujah. Praise God, because we become ambassadors for Christ. We become representatives for Jesus Christ. And your neighbors or your friends or your family that's not in church, and they say, look what they're going through, but they still praise God. Look at that, where their situation is, but they're still getting up every Sunday morning and going to the house of God. I want you to know it's a testimony to the living God, hallelujah, that God has everything under control, hallelujah, hallelujah, and our duty is to be ambassadors for Almighty God, hallelujah, praise the name of the Lord, we need to wait upon the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 says, Thou hast not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not, <laughs> neither is weary. Can I remind somebody this morning that you may be weary in your walk? You may feel like you're going to faint, but I want you to, you may feel bankrupt. You may feel like you're just sick. Amen. But I want you to know we're serving a God that's not weary. He's not bankrupt. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's everlasting. He's not faint. He's not worried about what's going to happen in your life. I said he's not worried about tomorrow. He's already got it planned out. Amen. All we need to do is walk in it. Hallelujah. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, and to, be, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. I want you to know he's here this morning to increase your strength. Hallelujah. You're in the right place. You're in the house of God. He's come to give power to them. You may be faint in your circumstance, but God has come to give you strength. Hallelujah. But they that wait upon the Lord, hallelujah, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run, hallelujah, and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So I say walk on, hallelujah. Run on. Reach forth for the kingdom that's set before you. Take perfect opportunity, hallelujah, of the moment that we are in, amen. Praise God, praise God. We need to wait on the Lord. Aren't you glad they waited on him? In the book of Acts, you think, you ever thought about that? Why did it take 10 days of praying for the Holy Ghost to fall? What's up with that? Can you imagine the conversations? Hey, Peter, what's going on? Let's, let's go. He said go into all the world. Let's get out, let's go. What, what are we waiting on here? No, we got to wait. 
We're waiting for the power of the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine? what? The, why would it take 10 days? But I'm glad they waited. Hallelujah. Luke 24, 49, he says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power on high. Tarry ye. In other words, wait. Wait upon the Lord, and he will give you strength. Hallelujah. Let me close with this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that thus so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I said at the beginning, we got to cast off our, 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 our rise from the dead, arise from your sins, amen? We've got to lay aside every weight and the sin. Hallelujah. Not everything's a sin, but there's some things you need to lay them down for the kingdom of God. Amen. They may not be a sin, but they're hindering what God's trying to do for you in your life. It so easily besets us and let us run. Hallelujah. Just keep running. Hallelujah. You just got, they're doing the Olympics right now. And these guys, they train and they run and they train. Amen. And for four years, they're just training and they have to compete with all of that. But I want you to know in the kingdom of God, Paul even illustrates it as the same way as the Olympic Games back in their days. And he said, basically, run like that. The same way that they're training, the same way that they're exercising, getting ready, and the natural is the same way we need to be in the spiritual. You got to exercise some spiritual muscles. Amen. <clears throat> Looking unto Jesus. Hallelujah. He's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher. Can we trust him? Can we trust him to finish the race for us? All we have to do is stay in the lane. Amen. All we have to do is get in the race. Stay in the race. Amen. It's, we're going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're going to get tired. We're going to get weary. But thank God we've got a God, hallelujah, that never falls. He never stumbles. He never gets weary. He's right there. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. We need to look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher. Everybody say, he's my finisher. We're going to finish strong, church. Hallelujah. I said the church is going to finish strong. Amen. Let's all stand. <clears throat> Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us to finish this race strong. We're at the end. We can see the end inside. Amen. Lord, we thank you, God, for the power of your spirit that we feel in this place today. Help us all, O oh God, to set our eyes upon you. You're the author. You're the finisher, O oh God, of our faith. Help us, O oh Lord, to trust in you. Help us, Lord Jesus, to trust in your timing, O oh God. Help us to live in the moment and to seek you, O oh God, for the very time in which we're in. And Jesus, we come before you today and ask that you give us the strength Hallelujah, the courage. Lord, we need you. We're nothing without you. And we praise the name that's above every name. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen, Jesus. Continue to worship with the praise team this morning.